this is Steve Hansaridis, local ministry director for AM570 The Mission. WMCA is blessed to help unite and uplift the faithful of the tri-state area this Christmas with a season of blessings, inspirational messages from pastors across our listening area. Coming up is Pastor Albert Feliciano of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church in Middletown, New York. Visit their website for more information on their Christmas services at specchurch.net or call them at 845-342-9989. Now here's Pastor Albert. God bless you, everyone. Good afternoon. Good evening. This is Pastor Albert again from Soul Purpose Evangelical Church located in Middletown, New York. And I believe that the Lord has given me a message to share with you all. We are in the Christmas season, and uh, I definitely have something that I believe is straight from the Lord himself to you this, this day. So please sit back and just pay attention to the Word of God. I'm using as a title, uh, We Are the Reason. There was a song that was uh, written. I'm not sure who the author was, but there are many artists that have done this. We are the reason. Beautiful song. I'm going to be opening up from Luke chapter 2, reading eight verses 8 through 11. And then we're going to go to John chapter 3, and we're going to read from verses 16 through 18. Amen. So let us begin in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So, let us begin. Merry merchandise. Isn't it true? Doesn't it seem that the true meaning of Christmas gets lost more and more each year? Isn't there so much financial pressure, so much debt? Every year, the pressure seems to mount for even greater gifts and greater spending to prove our love and devotion to those that we care for. Isn't gift giving all year long? And isn't sharing love with one another every day of the year? Then you have all this pressure that comes with the guilt for the gifts that you want to give, but you just can't afford it. Many suffer from this seasonal sickness, which I like to call funds are low sclerosis. We all get it, and it happens from around November, maybe all the way through the end of December. And then we find ourselves in this big old rut, and we wonder, oh my God, what have I done? Well, let me tell you, the Christmas season is surely upon us. You're seeing fights now at every Walmart in, in, in USA. Everywhere, there's a Black Friday fight somewhere. Our society has us very well trained, knowing that Christmas is all about Santa Claus and reindeers and special gifts. And they say, you must be a good boy. You must be a good girl in order to get this gift. But it really takes off from there. We know about the elves and the North Pole and sleigh rides and winter wonderlands and jingle bells, eggnog, fireplaces, trees, and all of these different trimmings. They're all part of the American Christmas tradition. But here's the question. Is that it? Let us never forget that Jesus Christ is the reason 
for the season. The greatest gift ever given by God to mankind is himself. Baby Jesus, wrapped in flesh and swaddling clothes, who came to take away the sins from the whole earth. Through him and him alone, all who receive him can inherit eternal life forever and ever and ever. And that is a fact, Jack. However, without him, we are all doomed. Without him, people's fates are destined and bound to hell. That's a true fact. I'd be lying to you if I told you anything different. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. C.S. Lewis said it best. He says, Jesus was either a lunatic, a liar, or he had to be Lord to make such a claim. So, the world didn't always have a savior. The world was and still is in a fallen state. The Jews knew about the Messiah. They waited for the Messiah. But there was one small problem. They didn't have a relationship with the Messiah once he came and walked among them. Much like today, we know about Jesus. We've heard the stories. We know about the miracles that he performed while he walked on this earth. We know about his return someday, but many of us do not choose to have a relationship with him. And the reality is we've made other decisions. We say to ourselves, well, maybe one day I'll give my life to the Lord. Let me tell you a silly thing that I heard someone say. I'll leave them nameless, nameless. But one person actually told me, you know what? I'm not ready to serve the Lord yet because I haven't sinned enough. There's a few sins I need to still do before I can actually give my heart to Christ. I'm telling you, this is a true story. I, I can't make this stuff up. But this guy genuinely said, I still have some sins that I need to accomplish in this world. Let me tell you what a grave mistake that is. The Bible says that we can't even begin to understand that our life here is like a mist. It's a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. We can't add a single minute or, or take one away. Once our appointed time comes, that's it. There's a story in scripture where it says there was a rich man who looked over his terrace and he said, look at all that I have amassed. Look at everything that I have gained over the years of my life and the Bible says, foolish man, this very evening, your life, your soul would be required of thee. Let me tell you, God loves you today. And he made a way. Jesus came to reunite us with the Father in heaven. He literally came to take away your sin debt. That's awesome. To purchase us, to return us to the Father in heaven. And you know how he did that? by shedding his perfect, blemish-free, innocent blood on the cross of Calvary. He had to die. There was no other way. He loves you. You are the reason that he came, that he suffered, and that he died. Guess what? You're the guest of honor at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's an incredible thing to think about and to even understand. 1 John 4.10, it says... In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent 
his son, Jesus Christ, to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, Jesus appeased God's wrath by taking the full brunt, the full scope of God's punishment to a sinful and wicked mankind. He took this upon himself so that we can be returned to a rightful place of relationship with God the Father in heaven through reconciliation. His blood was and still is perfect. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. It has the power to save your soul. It has never lost its effect. Why did Jesus suffer? Why did he have to die? Hebrews 9.22 gives us a little glimpse. It says, according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Remission of what, saints? Of sins. It's the atonement. It's the blood that washes away multitudes of sin. The Bible says, though your sins are red as scarlet, they will be made white as snow. Hallelujah. Why was Jesus raised from the dead? To prove, number one, that he's God. Death can't keep him in the ground. The grave can't hold him. You know, Buddha, Mohammed, Krishna, Reverend Sun Yun Moon, all of their bones are still in the grave. Let me tell you something. If you want my attention, come out of your hole. Come out of the grave and you'll have my attention. Until then, I serve the living God, the only one who could come out of the grave, the one who has the power to lay his life down and he could take it back up again. Glory to God. Colossians 1, 19 through 20, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Let me tell you, Jesus is God. He was a man in the flesh, but he is also God. And he gave all so that we can live. Our peace with God came through the precious shed blood of Jesus Christ, his son. It was spilled on our behalf. Without it, we're doomed. But with it, we're delivered. Hallelujah. Plain and simple. God would never ask us to do something he himself was not prepared to do. If you go back to Genesis 22, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, to prove his love and devotion to God. And just before that act was carried out, God sent an angel to stop Abraham. And it was really a literal foreshadowing of God's own plan because he himself later sent his son, his only begotten son, that whomsoever believes on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't it interesting that God chose to send angels to the shepherds in the field to tell them about the coming Messiah, to to tell them about the coming King? Think about it for a second. Why shepherds? Well, shepherds, what is their responsibility? They care for the little sheep. Jesus was God's little lamb sent unto the world. The announcement was delivered to the shepherds who would later care for God's sheep. 
Jesus was born in a stable, not a hospital. He was born among the sounds and smell of little farm animals, of the beast of the field. Let me remind you that sin is a stench in God's nostrils. Jesus was born among the stench of this world. You know, let me share a little illustration with you. There's a funny story that I read about. There was a kid that said to his father, he said, Dad, I want to go to the movies with my friends this weekend. And I, I already looked at the reviews and, and this said that the movie only has like three or four F-bombs and it has one sex scenes, but it's really not enough. It's, it's not a lot. So I, I promise it won't be a lot. It's not going to really change anything with me. So this wise father says, okay, son, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to prepare something, uh, some brownies. I'm going to make some brownies for you. And if you could eat these brownies, I promise you, you can go to the movies with your friends this weekend. So the father goes into the kitchen. He gets his brownie batter and all the mix. And listen, I can't even bake a, a cookie, a cookie dough prepared cookie. So I can't even tell you what he went through. But in this story, the father went to the little backyard. And you know little Fido, the little dog, the family dog? He picked up a little piece of uh, the dog poop. Yes, that's what he did. And he put it in the batter. Just a little piece. Not a lot, just a little piece. And he stirred it in and stirred it in. And the brownies went in the oven. It baked and it was smelling delicious. So the son said, man, I got this wrapped up. He says, all I have to do is eat these brownies and I'm out of here. Well, the father said, well, son, there's one thing I need to tell you before you eat these brownies. You remember Fido? I took a little piece of Fido's poop and I put it in the batter. It's not a lot, son. Don't get worried. It's just a little bit. But if you eat this, you can go ahead and go to the movies. Now, you might say that's cruel. What father would do that? But listen, listen to the moral. Sometimes it's just a little bit of, of what is it? A little bit of yeast leavens the loaf. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. But when, when you just have a little bit of that, it, it messes everything up. And it sets the course of your direction in a different place. Remember, saints, Jesus was God's little lamb. Born in a stable, surrounded by the reality of this fallen world. At his own birth, his life was in danger of a jealous king who wanted him killed. But yet he was safe, preserved for the final hour in which he would give all for you and me. Jesus didn't have a doctor or a midwife to care for him at his birth. No one but Mary and Joseph. Isn't it amazing that the power, the creator of the universe of heavens and earth decided to make his grand entrance into this earth as a small, innocent, helpless and defenseless child, just like you and me. Jesus may not have had a doctor at his manger, but he did choose a doctor to write about his story. We know that Luke was not one of the original 12 disciples, but he was a physician and he talked to us about the life of Jesus. We see here that the angels appeared to the shepherds and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And listen, what do you think was the first words out of the angels' mouths? The first words were, fear not. I can only imagine how they spoke. Fear is something that we all have to deal with. Every one of us will face with it, face it and deal with it. The very first evidence after the fall of man was fear. You go back to Genesis 3. 
the Lord called Adam and said to him, Adam, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I, I hid myself. See, saints of God's sin wants to remain hidden. It doesn't want to be exposed. It wants to stay covered up and it wants to lurk in the shadows. I remember doing a message a while back called Fig Leaf Religion, all about covering up on the outside. A lot of us, we come to church, we put on our game face, our Sunday mask, our Sunday clothes, and, and we, we want to walk the walk and look the part. But inside, there's a whole different thing going on. Hallelujah. I don't know if you're in the kitchen right now walking or, or walking or washing dishes or driving your car. But if there's somebody next to you say, man, this guy's talking about you right now. Hallelujah. All right. Exhale. It's all right. You're going to be OK. You're going to survive this message. Let me tell you, fear stalks men and and grips people today as it has for centuries. Fear does not come from the Lord, but it comes from the evil one our adversary. Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Fear comes to us all, and it really isn't unusual. Abraham lied about Sarah because of fear. Jacob was afraid of his brother Esau. Moses was afraid of facing Pharaoh uh, and rejection. Israel was afraid to enter into the promised land. Israel was also terrified of this giant Goliath. But praise God, a little shepherd boy named David faced him with a sling and a stone filled with the spirit of God and removed the evil off the face of this earth. As Jesus grew up to be a man and he started his ministry, he dispelled fear everywhere that he went. Matthew 1, Joseph feared taking Mary as his wife until the angel of the Lord spoke to him in a dream. In Mark 4, the disciples were terrified at the raging storm and Jesus calmed it and said, peace, be still. In Mark 10, we have blind Bartimaeus who feared he would never see. And despite the crowds, he shouted for Jesus and his sight was restored. Luke 17, we, we hear about 10 lepers who feared they would never again be with their families and Jesus healed every single one of them. And ironically, as they all went away rejoicing with their healing, only one came back to say, thank you, Lord. John 11, Mary and Martha feared that they would never get to see Lazarus again. And Jesus had the stone removed and called out, Lazarus, come forth. And immediately he rose from the dead. Sometimes we need to remove the stone from the door of our heart so that we could hear the voice of the Lord saying, come forth, rise up, hallelujah, and, and get to know him. There are fears in those who are listening to this message here and now. Too often during the holidays, fear is felt by many. There's fears of all kinds concerning health, economy, conditions of the world, and all kinds of different things. Faith is the opposite of fear. They both have the same definition, believing that what you cannot see will happen. We are saved by faith and kept by faith in Jesus Christ, and we must put him on. 
Believing isn't enough. The Bible says demons believe and even shake and shudder. We must believe and put our trust on Jesus and enter a relationship. It's like you could believe all you want in a parachute, but if the plane is going down and you don't put it on, you're doomed. Let me tell you, this walk is not an easy walk. This is a path and a road marked with bumps, thorns and thistles, with rocks, with suffering and persecution. But it is the road that leads to life, the narrow path that few find. Ironically, Philip, Philippians 2.12, it says, guard your salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible's talking about a holy fear, a reverent fear, an awe of God. It's the type of fear and reverence that you have for your mom and your dad. It's not a type of fear to make you afraid, but instead cause you to respect and revere the Lord. Psalm 25, 14, it says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show him their, his covenant. Praise the Lord. Psalm 34, 9, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The angels calmed the shepherds' fears and announced the arrival of the Savior. They said in verse 10, We bring good tidings of great joy for all people, because unto us a Savior is born. Glory to God. The angels know that Jesus Christ will have fullness of joy, that those in Christ Jesus will have fullness of joy, peace that surpasses understanding, a blessed hope that the world knows of, forgiveness of sins, and they will be seated with Christ in heavenly places. You know, Mark 10 marks the beginning of evangelism. Everyone needs Jesus. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But he says in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Like the shepherds guarding their flock, we are now shepherds with the good news of Christ. Unto us, a Savior is born. He lived, he died, and three days later, he rose again. And let me tell you, Jesus is coming again. Saints, it's time to come out of the Christian closet. There's no such thing as a secret 007 Christian agent. It doesn't exist in the body of Christ. Disciples of Christ are visible, credible, and they're not afraid. They shouldn't be afraid to tell the world that Jesus lives and he's coming again. Santa Claus doesn't have anything in his bag of goodies worth dying for. There are no reindeers that are going to fly you up to heaven when you die. The North Pole is freezing cold and hell is burning hot. The Christmas trees have artificial lights on them. But in Christ, you are the light of the world. Toys you receive here today will be forgotten tomorrow. But God's gifts are forever and they're eternal. Joy here is temporal, but true joy comes from Christ and is eternal. Christmas morning, you might be able to open up some gifts and enjoy a day off from work, but resurrection morning, you're going to enter into everlasting life. You're going to come face to face with a mighty God, the gift giver himself. But it is only based upon what type of relationship you have with him here and now. Our good works, our best intentions will never be enough on judgment day to stand before a perfect God. One day you will see him. You will know him as Lord and Savior, or you will know him as judge. Don't believe the lie from Oprah Winfrey that we're all God's children. The Bible says in John 1, 12, but as many as has received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Ye must be born again. 
I end with this. Yeah, this is my second ending. Praise the Lord. Come to Jesus today and be freed from the stench of sin and the prison of fear. And like we talked about earlier with the song, We Are the Reason. Let me read you the words of the chorus. It says, We are the reason that he came and died. We are the reason that he suffered and died. To a world that was lost, he gave all he could give to show us the reason to live. My friend, you are the reason that he came. God bless you and Merry Christmas to you. This special Christmas message has been sponsored by Soul Purpose Evangelical Church in Middletown, New York. For more information, visit them on the web at specchurch.net or call them at 845-342-9989. Wishing you all a blessed and joyous Christmas and New Year from all of us at AM570 The Mission, WMCA. This is Steve Hanseritis.